0: there will be bourbon and tonight there will be joel Gaines. how you doing brother
1: (laughs) how's it going man it's
0: going great uh as always before i get into this wonderful guest who's taken uh time out of his busy schedule to join myself and to bring his wonderful thoughts to you and whoever else is out there uh as always this discussion will be fueled by america's native spirit bourbon and tonight we're going a little bit uh we're going lower shelf if you can find this stuff. Okay, the first time I got exposed to it, Benchmark Bourbon was out in uh, California. Uh, this happens to be the bottled and bond version. It's very specifically called Benchmark Bonded. Uh, if you aren't aware, I've said it a million times, but bottled in bond was the first act by Congress to regulate an actual product in this country. It was passed in 1897. It just guarantees the quality of the product. For bourbon, it means it's aged at least four years It's a product of one distilling season at one distillery. It is under lock and key by the feds until it is actually bottled and produced and sold to you. And it is a minimum of 100 proof. Now, benchmark, what makes it interesting is that everyone goes crazy for the entire line of Buffalo Trace products, mainly Pappy and the Weller stuff. But uh, it is is made by um, Buffalo Trace. It's very good. Definitely a distinct flavor. Uh, It is the same mash bill that does produce Buffalo Trace and some of your other favorites. It's their mash bill number two. I don't know why I held up three fingers, but it is number two. Thank you, Joel. And uh so there you go. That's what I'll be getting into tonight. And then uh I'm actually gonna make a little cocktail at some point with Buffalo Trace and nice. a little black walnut bitters, right? I've been talking about this stuff for a while. It's great. I love it. But anyway, all right, now that we know what's fueling this discussion, Joel.
1: How are you, brother? I'm good, man. You know, as uh as always, I'm hydrating. That's right. I'm, uh, I'm hydrating with some uh with some uh, refrigerator dispensed bubble water, much to uh, Braxton McCoy's chagrin.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's not a fan of the, uh, the, the oh, dispensed Oh, he loves version. the bubble water. He does.
1: He loves the bubble water. He's just he's just angry because I have a refrigerator that dispenses it.
0: <laughs> Why is he angry about that? Because he does not have a refrigerator. He does not one he... have one, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's actually funny. There's like, what is it, SodaStream or something? They make those as well, but. Yeah, one yeah. of the offices I go into from time to time, um, I specifically make a, a, a point to a reserve a spot on the floor that has the, the soda streams with the flavor. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's so good. It really so this is, is the soda
1: stream built into a Samsung refrigerator.
0: That's nice. Is it now is your refrigerator uh is it is it wireless capable? Like no, no. Like, so we're like not gonna that. Yeah, we're not no. gonna have a software update no, where it shuts down other. and stops yeah, refrigerating. Nope. <laughs> Aren't we getting a little too technologically driven with our appliances?
1: We're tech reliant, man. Tech reliant. I think if the refrigerator will tell you what what the inside smells like before you open the door, (laughs) now we're talking.
0: I've seen like some of them now, like you can customize their appearance based on color and all, and and you can have a see through window and all. Like, why do you need a see through window for a refrigerator?
1: I don't know, man. That's
0: one thing I don't don't know know what the designers are up to because it's like, oh,
1: so the whole. The whole uh, the whole inventory thing, you know, if you're a data guy, I guess that would be yeah. attractive to you.
0: Oh, okay. But
1: like, sometimes I just like to open the door and be surprised, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> or or uh, disappointed.
1: Or disappointed.
0: You know, whichever comes first. Yeah. You just yeah. spin the wheel. And then, uh, man, what's the other one I've seen that you can... So actually, I really do love this. My brother got me this for, I don't know if it was Christmas or Father's Day a few years ago, but um, the Wi-Fi uh, meat thermometers. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you, I mean, especially with grilling, because I mean, he's stable. He's got the same grill he's had forever, but I move so much that you got to learn a whole new grill every time we go somewhere.
1: Absolutely.
0: Right. So, but this, I, I am getting a little reliant on it sometimes because I just nail everything I cook, but I'm also like, man, wait a minute. How did I? How can I replicate that without the, without the, without the meter?
1: Plaza is kind of worth the technology though.
0: (laughs) I know it is great. And I I mainly use it for like, if I buy one of those big, like five pound Tomahawks, like, and you can, you can risk that if you want, but I'd rather nail it. And uh, that thing's a pretty cool piece of technology. It's just, it is, it's a battery. So, you know, nothing too bad to maintain. It does, it does have a software update and if you hit it, it takes like 20 Uh minutes. So I'd never do it. Uh, So
1: so we know a guy that had a bad, Experience with a software update on a cooking utensil. We did <laughs> was it on Thanksgiving? It was on yeah, Thanksgiving. It's
0: like... <laughs> <laughs> the green it was—it's a green egg, right?
1: And we're never—we're never gonna let him forget it. Too. No, we
0: actually shouldn't. And that's a good thing he's anonymous, so he doesn't really have to know that he's being made fun of publicly because he's just
1: like, ah, they don't even know. Oh anything. no, we're gonna make sure he knows.
0: Yeah. Um. So that's where we're at. Okay. So the the main reason I wanted to talk to Joel, uh, he's a very interesting guy, but he does have a great uh, background with his uh, his military side. Uh, so you were, uh, you said a Cold War era dude, intel background, primarily a Russian focus,
1: right? Yeah. So so I specialized in the Russian area. Okay. Um. And that's a little bit different from being a Russian linguist. I was yeah. I was classified as a Russian linguist um, in electronic warfare space. Um, but I did some other things, uh, and worked for a couple of other organizations outside of the army, um, while I was still in, um, been to total immersion courses where the, you know, you show up at a little, not really a village. It's just more like an apartment complex yeah. or it has got a community center and stuff. We rent the whole thing out. Um, and the only thing that you have in common with everybody else there is Russian. So, um, we did some pretty cool stuff. Uh, had a good time. Um, the, the, the meat of it is getting into that Russian psyche and starting to learn about who it is to be a Russian. Yeah. Um, I'm half Russian. So that helps.
0: Oh, okay. There you go.
1: Um, but yeah. Uh, so I had a good time with all of that.
0: How did you end up get, what made you join the army the first place?
1: Uh, so i was 19 and i i was tired of working at burger king <laughs> that was a McDonald's so I was so. yeah so i joined i joined the army uh, i thought i was going to get into the air Force, but i guess it wasn't enough for that mm. i think i was barely enough to do it, right yeah. uh so i joined the army. And i started in signal yep and uh and so I, I carried a radio, work switchboard kind of stuff, tactical switchboard, cable mm. operator, cable dog, and um, climbed telephone poles, yeah. you know, and crap like that. Um, I worked in 2nd uh, Infantry Division in Korea during that time. And uh, I didn't like climbing telephone poles.
0: I was gonna say that's a good career if you want to be in California. Be a linesman. they make tons of money out there.
1: They make tons of money, but you know, I was like, <laughs> very dangerous. I was not very good at climbing telephone poles, so I have, don't know. It's that's not, not a I natural skill. Chunks of, <laughs> chunks of pole sticking out of my arms on occasion. I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm not doing this anymore. Let's see if I'm smart enough to do something else. So, I took a language test, language proficiency test, to see if it, if I could learn the language. Did pretty well on it. Now gave me some choices i chose russian since i'd already had a little bit of kitchen russian and that's cool the way we went
0: yeah i mean we used to do that practice test in the office and none of us were smart enough to learn a language because it's, <laughs> it, it's testing you to learn a fake one and it's like i don't yeah i mean it, yeah I, it, I it might stuff. be
1: esperanto i'm not even sure like i i don't remember that far back but it might be that un language they tried to
0: I I have no idea. I just know that like we would sit there just for fun to kill time in the office, and none of us were ever smart. I think one guy got a score that would have been like two points within being able to do it. But all of us were like thirties and forty. We were dumb. I mean, come on, we're not learning. Yeah. No. The only language I was learning was just by osmosis. I'm not going to go be able to learn something in a classroom <laughs> setting. How long was your training for, for Russian? How long was that? So
1: it was 47 weeks, I think Jeez. for the basic course Wow! in, uh, in DLI. I was in Monterey, California.
0: Yeah. It's beautiful.
1: And, Beautiful yeah, spot. I, yeah. That's the greatest army base that we have. I think that's, yeah, just... I was an NCO at the time. So you oh, even better. Running. Look at that. You're living the yeah, life. NCO man. quarters. You open up your window. Yeah, you actually had the money to enjoy it. <laughs> there's the freaking Bay right there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's where I out process. So it's, I did some other stuff, took some people there, but I was always getting a chance to go to Monterey and just, man, every time you walk on there, it's just amazing. It's a beautiful spot. Yeah.
1: So there was a, there was a place, uh, on, on the, on the pier. Um, called geno's at the time uh it was from the genovese family and we got really close with with the people that uh that ran that it was one of the granddaughters and and her family and we just kind of took the place over and they'd get really busy and we'd jump back behind the bar and serve drinks for them and stuff like that get people plowed you know and giggle about it um but that's where we did all of our studying and stuff they had an upstairs that they would let us use that that's they never cool. really they never really had people there that's enough cool. to open up the upstairs so we'd go up there and eat calamari and drink white Russians and stuff.
0: <laughs> I drink white Russians oh man what is that the big lebowski where that that drinks the famous drink in yeah man I drank a ton of those at one of my cousin's weddings years ago and that was hammer that was hammerville that's how
1: you learn the language though.
0: yeah the just, white russian
1: <laughs> yeah you just drink enough vodka so you don't really care if you make mistakes
0: so where do you come out are you do you prefer the the white russian or the black russian
1: You know, I'm more of a black Russian guy.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a little easier on the stomach as you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the white Russian, the benefit of it is you're coating your stomach as you're getting clout, right? (laughs) Um, But I I just like that, you know, that bitterness that comes with uh, with a good strong.
0: No, they're good. good Yeah. You don't see that. A lot of people don't, I don't know if they have experience with it, but that's kind of a, that's definitely an old school drink, but it's, it's, it's very, very good. It's very, very good. Um, I
1: I don't drink anymore, but
0: yeah, I know you're a very, you're, you're more of a dihydrogen monoxide type of guy who doing pushups and stuff, which is good. What made you quit drinking? I know a lot of our circle is either sober or they they've experienced it lately and you know, it's good either way. The anyone. I just
1: got to a point where my body just didn't like the alcohol and it wasn't really processing it well anymore. And I, I could drink a, you know, a glass of wine with dinner and just feel like crap. Oh, really? So I think, I just tell people, I just, you know, everybody's got this quota of alcohol that they can drink in their lifetime. And I just hit it a little bit earlier than everybody
0: else. That's a fair point. I'm not there yet. I feel like I'm going the other direction at some sometimes. My tolerance is too high. Like I can do a bottle of wine as put to a glass and it's just like, you know, yeah. all right, I go to bed and I'm fine in the morning. But I know that those days will come to an end or maybe they won't. I don't know. Maybe I'm like an old I school friend. Some people,
1: you know, some you know? people, they just...
0: I watched this documentary of this uh this French winemaker and you know he he does a tour of his uh his his personal wine cellar and he's got thousands of bottles down there and he's like and they ask him what's the oldest one in here he's like I don't know but probably not more than 2 years cuz I drink one a night <laughs> right? and he's just some thin looking dude like he's not yeah. some like you would think he's some fat French no he just this is what he does like that's his life he drinks wine every single day and he constantly and you can, you can afford to do it over there. Like we get ripped off a lot with our, with our wine here. Oh, for in the sure. But Which I mean, yeah, you've spent, coffee. yeah, you spent time in Europe and you, I remember the first time I went to Italy and I, I had a chance to go and, and bring some wine back and I, I go into the store and, you know, every bottle of wine is like between two and 10 euros. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that here. Everything's between 20 and a hundred. If you want anything decent in this country, it's kind of, it's weird how they do that, how that, that markup yeah. goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, when you were in Monterey, did you ever? I don't know what years you were there, but did, was this uh, this famous restaurant that really kind of started the the the, the wine list boom in this country? Was uh, the Sardine Factory? Did you ever go there?
1: I don't think I know. No? I haven't been there for sure. I haven't been there. I don't think I'd ever even heard of
0: it. Yeah, that was definitely. It was uh, early. Eight, I want to say eighty-three, maybe when it when
1: it opened. Uh, I had a chance well, to it go. Definitely. To- yeah, Last year. It definitely would have been open while I was there. I just don't. I don't yeah, know.
0: yeah, no, that's. But I mean, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name. But he he became really famous in America for he he built this wine list there. It's one of the most extensive wine lists in the in the world. It's over six thousand bottles. But man, yeah. you go into that. They have stuff from literally the Civil War era. Now I don't know what it tastes like but if you want to try oh. and drop like 30 grand on it you can go get you a bottle from like the 1860s like that's nuts to me that you can still do that and it's yeah, actually cognac drinkable. Yeah,
1: is kind of the same way right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's I think cognac's a little different because you you I guess it holds up a little better. You know wine is more of a you know the way you you could get something 2 years old and ruin it the way you store it but yeah, something it like that. I mean that. that's a that's an art form you know when because it stops. I mean it, it's constantly evolving and aging as it's in the bottle whereas like a spirit Once you pull it out and bottle it, that's it. Like it's not really doing anything crazy except for maybe if it's unsealed and it gets some exposure to air and all. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, cognac, there's some stuff that's like 200 years old. That's
1: that's now isn't cognac wine that's been distilled?
0: I don't know if it's wine that's been distilled. I think it's from the cognac region and it has to be distilled from grapes, but I could Mm -hmm. be wrong. And if anyone's listening and knows I'm wrong, please feel free to tell me in the comments. Yeah, late. I'd
1: like to know. Right? That, yeah. But I, I so.
0: do believe it's it's a lot like some of the wine or, you know, like champagne, right? You can't call it champagne if it's not from Champagne, France. You know, you right. call it sparkling wine. But yeah, I think with cognac, it has to come from that cognac region.
1: So, so being a bourbon guy, I wanted to ask you a question. Have you ever sure. had Del Bac?
0: Mm-mm.
1: So Delbach is a Tucson area bourbon. I'll get you a bottle. I'll get a bottle. Sometimes. Oh,
0: I love it. I, I tried to do that with Braxton. I tried to get something from uh, Idaho and there was one that I saw and I, I totally forgot to ask him about it on the podcast as well. But I I love trying stuff from all over this country because it's, you know, it's starting to expand a lot more with a lot of yeah. the craft distilleries, you know, still 95% of this country's bourbon comes from Kentucky, but Man, there's some other states that do some really really good stuff. Like Wyoming whiskey is one of my favorites, I think, from like out west. Like they do incredible right. stuff. And it makes sense because if you think about the whole reason why Kentucky's bourbon's so popular is because of the the four seasons and the the effect, the, the impact of the weather and the water. We well, got that going on out west too, so
1: I'd be yeah, curious absolutely. to see how something from Arizona tastes. Yeah, on. so we'll try warmers. to we'll try to get a uh, some Del Bach Oro to you. Um, sure we'll that'd be awesome to do that. maybe, maybe, yeah, can deliver or something.
0: yeah that, that'd be cool um where are they at in, in Arizona
1: in Tucson okay um, and actually there's a couple of people that are mutuals of ours probably that um that helped uh bottle their first rye a couple of weeks ago
0: ah okay that's cool I think I would think something like up in Sedona might be really good because of the elevation and the temperature shift
1: yeah, they got a lot of they got a lot of stuff up in Sedona and then out um Senoita, so even a little bit further south. Yeah. Uh pretty close to the Senoita Patagonia area. We've got okay. a lot of vineyards out there.
0: Yeah, I remember the first time I drove through uh Sedona, I thought it was like a mini Tahoe with smaller trees. You know, like yeah, like the trees aren't quite as it's big. It's a pretty cool place. It is. It's it's and it and you don't really think about it when you think Arizona, you just think Phoenix and Scottsdale deserts and stuff. And yeah, yeah it's it's a cool area. Yeah, I'd love to spend more time there. Um that's the problem with the West. It's just too damn big, you know? It's just, <laughs> just yeah, that's true. All right. So you finish your, your, your Russian training in Monterey. Where'd you end up from there? Where'd you head, what was next?
1: So, uh, so then we went to um, an air force base in Texas and uh, the name escapes me at the moment. I think it's in San Angelo. Um, Goodfellow air force base. And uh, you do some advanced, uh, advanced electronic warfare training there. Okay. And uh, once you're, once you're done there, then you go to your duty station.
0: What did that what did the electronic warfare space look like in the Cold War era? My, since you know, now obviously there's computers and
1: cloud-based yeah. so, stuff I mean,
0: everywhere. Was, and so like well,
1: we had computers. What are you saying? No, I know you had computer, but <laughs> not everyone
0: had to use them. Now everyone's just tethered yeah. to and walks around with them like it's the only thing they can do.
1: Yeah, so it kind of depended on your job. Um, uh, you know, because there's there's just so many different roles in the electronic warfare space and, yeah. and it's probably even more so now or maybe it's consolidated now i'm not sure um but for us it was uh tons of of uh vehicle recognition um we had to learn all of the all of the uh all of their warfare systems inside now that was a lot of it um, because we had to understand how it was referenced and how it was utilized on the battlefield because our our job was to Kind of take all of these signals in, and and uh, you had a, a collection section, you had an analysis section, um, uh, and then we had we had to take all of this in, and we had to determine kind of like what was the enemy doing based on mm. uh, the type of electronic emissions that they were that they were creating, and in some the gate in this, in many cases where they were doing it. And it wasn't so much like the front line of troop stuff. It was it was usually <laughs> further back. It was usually deeper into the, yeah. into, the into the battle space, so that uh, we could give combat commanders in the field an idea of like, okay, here's what you're dealing with today, but here's what you're going to be dealing with tomorrow. And uh, that gave them a you know a little bit of an understanding of how that they would deploy or or move their forces based on. know, reacting to those situations
0: so were you learning just american stuff or were you learning the russian stuff as well that we had figured out how to reverse almost Uh,
1: almost entirely the russian stuff oh that's cool that's cool and our 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 intel on that is phenomenal Um,
0: yeah
1: of course can't talk about it but
0: right um, but
1: the stuff that we know about um foreign armies um systems is phenomenal I, it's n- nothing short of miraculous
0: do you think we still main i mean i know you're a little bit removed at this point but do you still think we maintain yeah. some of that knowledge superiority
1: oh oh definitely yeah, yeah. definitely I, I think um uh especially on the air force side yeah i think i think the stuff that they are able to do with emissions is pretty freaking cool
0: Minus that whole Chinese weather balloon thing.
1: Yeah, I, we can't if we can find it. I guess we can do pretty cool stuff with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's funny because the 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 balloon thing. It's like, you know, there's a there's a specific office that's spe- that's is very specific for like Northern American weather tracking. And yeah. high altitude stuff. And it's like,
1: really? You you missed that one? You didn't, you didn't catch that <laughs> one. You can track freaking Santa, but you can't right, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: something we're not sure
0: 100 percent exists, but we, we can't we can't track the real stuff? All right, got it. Yeah. Yeah. But, so during
1: during this time too, during the cold war, we still had it where you'd have a a a, a group of a sortie of, of planes that mm-hmm. would just rush an enemy's border, you know? Yeah. Just head straight towards it. And of course, the enemies lighten up every every radar that they have, and then uh, and then you'd have guys waiting for that so that they could collect that data and tell you, okay, here's what here's what they have here, here's what they have here. Those Not even realizing the they're time. just
0: giving it all away.
1: They're just giving it all away.
0: That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Do you think um, <clears throat> I try to think? There's a really good movie about what was it? Thirteen days, I think with. with with JFK kind of in the, the Cuban missile crisis when the U two flies yeah. over and takes all that flack and everything from the, from the ground, but basically yes. maps everything and showcases like, yeah, actually everything that you said is not in Cuba. It's right there. It's right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the good times, the good days. Uh, so. Okay. So I see the hit, I see the helmet in the background. You got the chocolate chip gear. Did you, did you do some desert storm stuff?
1: Yeah. So I was, a uh, I was in desert shield, desert storm, and then provide comfort. Um, which uh, we were basically trying to keep the Iraqis from killing the Kurds when they couldn't kill anybody yeah.
0: else. kind of important.
1: Yeah, everybody likes killing Kurds huh? for some reason.
0: <laughs> so how was the shift for that going from like totally Cold War focused to uh, let's go to the desert?
1: Yeah, it was interesting. Um, the unit that I was in was pretty awesome. Um, we'd done some really cool things in Germany, um, uh, and we deployed from Germany and um, that's kind of where the war lizard came from that's uh that was like yeah. the unit your your
0: tactical story. thing yeah we'll get to that that's cool yeah. war lizard all right um,
1: and uh yeah the transition was was pretty cool but you got to realize by then we'd had some experience with reforger which was the return of forces to germany mm-hmm. um so you know if if the the gap pops off you know uh those of us that were already there we probably would survive about 24 hours but you know getting everybody else in and on board so we had a lot of ex- experience with that we had a graffenveer which was a big maneuver training area that we spent a lot of time in and we de- we deployed like we were all over germany um so we you know we our tracks ran you know I, I don't know how things are these days but we would get on the road and go places yeah. And uh, not very fast, but it would go. <laughs> um so, so I think the the maneuver part of it was pretty good. Um, you know, we had I was in fifth core, we got shifted over to seventh core, and then seventh core is what deployed to the Gulf. Um and uh, I think the culture shock to me was getting on a little jingle bus.
0: Right. Yeah, yep, yep.
1: after unloading all of our crap at the airport and all of that we're still very serious about security and all of that and we get on this little jingle bus and they took our ammo away from us yeah, it's
0: it's we still do that and it's still the most unnerving thing in the world i'm like no why are we getting onto this fucking bus with some foreigner dude driving us around with the windows shaded out and we can't oh, and we're just sitting sit here
1: ammo yeah well we're just gonna sit here like what where the agreement is that like (laughs) yeah and uh but then we got to um we got to uh uh, was it damon i think damon um in kuwait and uh we we were waiting for a rest of our gear rest of our vehicles and got everything we could get painted painted i was in 11 scud attacks and at some point we ended up at our forward assembly area and then we did a 500 mile drive isn't that amazing it was crazy
0: yeah there's no like no where, did you guys train up at all when you left germany or was this just kind of like let's just figure it out no. it's weird how we did no. the same shit 13 years 12 years later like we just did yeah. we just figured it out
1: we, we did some uh, EPW training and stuff like that that's on interesting. our own, yeah. guys yeah. of us that maybe had had some experience already. But none
0: of that convoy training where you would just like, hey, let's pretend we're driving 500 miles through a desert.
1: No. And, yeah, that's and, weird.
0: And, that's so weird to and, me because uh, I thought that was you one know, of the real well-planned you wars. Had like,
1: yeah, <laughs> crazy, <man. laughs> you only had like one set of nods per squad.
0: Oh, we, we never had them. We weren't privileged enough. We were a reserve unit. We didn't get that stuff at all.
1: Yeah, so we have and one that's cool that you had them. squad. So yeah. <laughs> so you know, everybody's freaking blind, right? Mm-hmm. Just follow that guy.
0: And we uh, we put chem lights behind and on the backs of every vehicle, just hope we could see those. But you know, after an hour or so, it was just the dust cover blocks them out anyway, so you don't see yeah, it just blocked them out. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. And so right. we and we also had we had one Loran for the whole company.
0: Now, what is that for those who have no idea what you're talking about?
1: So that was like the old school GPS before okay. Magellan. And, well, ah. Magellan might have been out about the same time, but Loran was what we had. It was mostly used on um, ships and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so we had one for the entire company. So we had one guy.
0: So no and, strip um, map and just follow this map and just... Because you guys, was no would, there was no
1: routes, right? You were just going. <laughs> we were, yeah. So they, they were like... We're going to go west for like 400 miles and then you're going to turn right 90 degrees. <laughs> that's insane.
0: And this was in Iraq, right? Or was this still Saudi Arabia?
1: Yeah. So, so, uh, so our, our forward assembly areas, um, half, half our unit was in, um, Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, the rest of us were still back at the docks. Yeah. Quickly, you know, okay. Quit. Yeah.
0: Because Saudi Arabia is a massive that's... fucking country.
1: Yeah. It's huge. Um, so, uh, so, you know, eleven scud attacks later, we got to take all of our gear. Uh, they were like, "Yeah, just go to this, go to this town, and and you'll find somebody." And then the way they told us how to pronounce the town is nothing like the way it was pronounced. So we kept asking people, "Hey, where's this town?" And You guys were the intel and, guys. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, they were like, uh, "Yeah, it's this what some waddy Albertine is where you're going." so we're asking everybody where waddy Albatine was and it was Wadi albatin and of course you know
0: just a we'd a, say
1: waddy Albatine, and they'd be looking at us like what what that's so funny. we finally got there uh using these military service routes which is basically like a big channel in the river you know it's yep. right on red returning kind of crap yeah um uh, and we get there, and we get all set up, and then uh, then we get to deploy. Um, I don't remember which brigade I was attached to, but the way our unit worked is each um, each squad is its own independent um, maneuver unit. Okay. So we had to have a lot of firepower. We had to have a lot of training. Um, we were our own chem support. We were our own combo support. We were our own medical support. All in house. You know, That's good. All in house. You know, seven, eight guys. You guys are like little ODAs, 60s, <laughs> AT4s. I mean, we had, yeah. yeah, yeah. We had we had everything um, because we had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny thing is, is um, because we were on medical support before we deployed from Germany, they gave us all of this medication. Just loads of it lots of malaria and we're looking through it and we saw this one that's called Caffergot. i had like 300 milligrams of caffeine in it one milligram of this i don't remember what it was we're like great we'll just pound this Caffergot stuff right and army logic i love it so that's what we did oh, so drunk. we were pounding Caffergot, right and then we get to an aid station and somebody got sick we all got dysentery Somebody, we all got dysentery
0: not the thing you want in the desert without you know running water
1: without any support right so we finally get this guy we humvee him out to a medic station and and they're like are you guys taking any meds and we're like oh well we're all taking this calf got. and he was like what i'm like yeah we're doing like three or four a day he was like do you know how highly addictive that shit is
0: actually no no i don't tell me. that
1: one milligram of whatever is in that they treat migraines for this stuff right so they were like yeah you can't take that anymore you guys are freaking morons um, so that was a big standout for me Was we were taking this stuff it was highly addictive to, so we could stay awake.
0: I I love how like that's kind of one of your better memories, and you kind of just glossed over the scud attack thing. <laughs> you know that no, yeah, but that, I think I think that's 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 telling because you know I I remember very distinctly like several rocket attacks and stuff like that, but I never really talk about that shit. You just talk about the dumb stuff that you did like that. And yeah. you know, when I was just on Heather's podcast, I I talk about you know standing in a Burger King line for four and a half hours on the Fourth of July because that's what's really right. worth remembering and telling like the other stuff is kind of expected you're like yeah yeah there were some bad times too but the the funny shit and the good stuff the dumb things that you find yourself in or that you just do because you can that's worth sharing
1: yeah i mean the scud attacks were scary man but you know patriot guys these guys are fucking on point point.
0: those things are pretty damn cool aren't they
1: they're pretty cool
0: like the you're talking about the ADA dudes in the back, like the Humvees yeah. with the Patriots, and yeah, that's that's some yeah, cool that, shit. <laughs>
1: it was it was pretty awesome. So you know, thank God for those guys because you know who knows.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, that was pretty scary stuff. But uh, all right, you know, what are you gonna do?
0: So, was there ever a time where you? Because I I mean I I think everyone knows what they know about Desert Storm, but I try to compare it sometimes to like the post Iraq invasion in 03 where it's like, yeah, we're going to just set up garrison now and, and turn this into a, you know, a, a never ending yeah. vacation. Did you guys ever get to that point or was it like, all right, it's time to, we, we did what we came here to do. Let's yeah. go. Let's drive the yeah, 400 we, miles back.
1: Yeah. So we got, we got to about Basra, I think. Um, okay. Um, my unit did. Um, we got to experience them blowing up a, a chemical dump and exposing us all to the nerve agent um uh and Go then
0: syndrome anybody right yeah for
1: real <laughs> um so then they had the uh then they had the demarcation line mm. uh, and and there was some there was some grab around that the uh the iraqis still wanted to kill kurds so they would shoot artillery at them and shoot over the demarcation line and i tell you what i do not like enemy artillery at all um But once again, you know, we had, you know, superior uh, forces, we would just get on the radio and call and a couple of Apaches would show up and the Iraqis decided they didn't want to shoot Kurds anymore.
0: That's nice. Um,
1: Yeah, it's really good. But um, for us, it was it was a very different situation because by then the United Nations was uh, was certain that if we wanted to take over Iraq at that time that we could, and they did not want us to do that because we were going to expose a bunch of crap. Right. Mm. So, because, you know, the Germans were involved in the bunker making and the Germans and the Italians were making the scud tubes.
0: Didn't the French make you know, the, the, the big bunkers in the air that we dropped the J dams and shit on.
1: Yeah. The French were making a bunch of those big bunkers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, after after the demarcation line stuff, when we were waiting for everybody, we got to do some some intel grabs from some of these bunkers, and some of the stuff we pulled out of there was pretty amazing too. We got I I had uh, and I, I gave them up, and I probably shouldn't because they probably just ended up in an incinerator. But I had the entire um, Iraqi version of the armor analysis for the Iran Iraq war. Oh, and I I wow. gave that up, thinking maybe this will be. Useful, useful right to somebody and i should have kept it
0: and you could have back then like now you can't keep it, anything. Kept yeah, it. you could have cu- totally kept it That could have been just going but yeah, you know what let me ask that because i do have another before oh, i have a segue but but real quick so i know what it was like the let's say the first time you know leaving iraq in 04 where they really started setting this stuff up but then leaving Afghanistan in 14 and then leaving the Middle East in 15. Just how different the going home processes in terms of going through the MP line and then internal customs before you ever get like you in 04, I took a lot of stuff out of Iraq. And you could still mail, like there was a time where you could mail a lot of stuff before that really got very, very strict um yeah. shit we had an investigation on one of the officers in our unit in iraq in 03 because they mailed home pieces of a fucking m16 <laughs> yeah like you really mailed you mailed home the firing pin bro like really <laughs> That's what you, uh yeah so that was weird and now like i said by the time you know 15 like you're not bringing anything like they're yeah. going to find literally every possible thing that you try to bring through that to get onto the flight line. Like it, it's, it, it's not worth the It's not worth it. Let's put it that way. So I was just curious. What, what was the process for you? Like leaving?
1: Was yeah, it just like, so, all right, we're
0: going home. Let's just get on the plane and go. Or was there actually.
1: So to set this up. Um, track commanders at the time that weren't tankers. and I think even you no know, tankers had M nine at the time beretta mm-hmm. yeah so track commanders that weren't tankers um, tended to get grease guns as their sidearms. as their so you know you had your m16 a2 a3 whichever it was and then you had a grease gun grease guns 45 caliber submachine gun not super accurate basically you're just putting up a wall of brand arms. prey yeah <laughs> yeah um but but we didn't get those because uh, we had like two in our entire armory. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't get those. So several of the NCOs, and I, I might have been included in this number, but several of the NCOs decided that the thing to do was to go into the Frankfurt Air Force Base, the U.S. Air Force Base in Frankfurt, buy 45 caliber sidearms, and then, um, you know, take them apart, put them in Ziploc bags, shove them in those, those ammo cans of bolts and stuff that every track vehicle has. Right. And just pack them. So that was done. I mean, that was done. Uh, one of the NCOs got caught.
0: Mm. It wasn't you clearly. Cause you're here.
1: here. Cause here, <laughs> here he um, is. So the the process the process to get them back was a little bit more difficult because they pompkissed a lot of those tracks in Saudi. Um, so, but it was, I mean, it was, we smuggled shit out of, out of Iraq, yeah. you know.
0: I um, mean, I got a whole Iraqi uniform and helmet and shipped yeah. it out was. So I, I Like I said, it was very early.
1: Of, Iraqi gas masks. And That's
0: stuff cool. There that. you go. That's pretty cool. Do you wear those during um, some of your trainings now, just to. <laughs> no, no, I, I've, I've
1: since I, I've since given them away. They were crap.
0: Yeah, um, no, they're definitely they were, not good.
1: Definitely the crap that the Russians no longer wanted, right?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that was probably their best customer.
1: Yeah, but I mean, for us, it was just you know, you, we had our we had our issue rifles with us mm-hmm. when we flew in. We had our issue rifles with us when we flew out, and. They x rayed our stuff, but this oh. was like 1991 x ray. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually
0: pretty. Yeah, I'm surprised they did it. That's why I was curious that they even did that. So, then, okay, so my net, my, so what I wanted to talk about the segue was I mean, you mentioned how they did the UN didn't want you guys, you know, staying there for too long to do whatever. So, yeah. do you have any theory or is there anything? Given your prior uh, just experience, when you – because I assume you were out by the time the Iraq war started, right, in 2003? Okay, so you were out. When that case was presented by Colin Powell to the UN, that there's this weapons of mass destruction and all this stuff that everyone bought, did you have an actual theory as to why we were going back? Or did you – is there anything you thought as just – with all your experience –
1: I stayed on top of all of that stuff. I did. I did talk radio for like seven, seven oh, really? years as oh, a host cool. and a co-host. Oh, nice. So I, I stayed on top of a lot of that stuff. Um, here's the thing. There's probably several reasons why we went back, and there's probably several reasons I mean, we pushed Saddam Hussein mm-hmm. into into being non-compliant. But here's a couple of couple of things to think about were there weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? Which is a very Probably.
0: vague term, right? It's a very yes. vague term for what, because people think weapons of mass destruction, they think nuclear bombs when it's not. Right.
1: It's, it's, it's chemical, it's sarin, it's, it's, uh, you name it. Yeah. Um, yes, there were. Um, we know that we know for a fact, we have an, we have intelligence, credible intelligence from multiple agencies Um Across the across the globe, that indicate that they moved a lot of stuff to Syria. Yep, um, just like they did their air force and mm. moved, moved most of their air force to other countries, <clears throat> except for the couple that we shot down, right?
0: or the ones they tried um, to hide in those badly built French bunkers that didn't make right. It. <laughs> right.
1: Um, but was it to the extent that we were saying that it was um, doubtful? and And the reason the reason is this, we knew how much we knew how much um, weapons of mass destruction of various types that Iraq had because they told us. And I believe I believe personally that the upper echelon of command uh, lied to Saddam Hussein uh, about the amount that they produced and stored. And I I think a great, a great deal of what we thought he had, he didn't have. And you got to realize that his compliance was based on what he destroyed. And so he would destroy a certain amount and we'd be like, bro, that ain't all of it. And he'd be (laughs) like, no, that's all of it. And we're like, we know that's not all of it because you told us how much you had and how much you had minus what you destroyed leaves a pretty big number. Yeah. I feel like he was lied to by his upper echelon command. Um, And they didn't have as much as they they were saying that they had, probably to keep Iran at bay, because they just had a pretty major war with Iran before they started mixing it up. It's pretty
0: much a stalemate, right?
1: Yeah. So I feel like they published numbers about how much they had, and we were trying to hold them to that, and there was no way they could destroy what they really didn't have. You know that they weren't going to admit that they did that.
0: Happen. That's an interesting because I know that I there's some more stuff on that I want to ask you, but I I think you brought up a really good point. I don't think people take this into consideration. Why? Because the Iran Iraq War was from what eighty to eighty eight, eighty one to eighty eight, yep. right around yep. those those eight year period. Uh, I mean there was freaking. Um, I don't I don't know if Brilliant. you ever got to see him because you didn't go into Baghdad, right?
1: No, we didn't get that far enough.
0: Yeah, so there's all those those monuments that were built to, like martyrs, all those things that were built to that. I remember seeing like the, the swords crossing over the highway and the, the, right. the, the massive mount of helmets to kind of signify how many Ira- or Iranian soldiers they killed. I was just like, man, it's fucking crazy. But I think you bring up a good point. It's just like no one really won that war, but how did – like why was Saddam so – How did he, what make you think he, I'm trying to word this, but what makes you think, or what do you think made him do what he did to cause the U.S. to get there three years later? Because we know he went after Kuwait and the oil and all that stuff, but like what, after just going through what he did, knowing that there's no way, I mean, he couldn't defeat Iran. There's no way he's going to take on the U.S. and a coalition of people that are going to just come knocking on his door.
1: Right. Well, he was a megalomaniac, you know, for one.
0: Seems to be a Um, common theme
1: and and you they were slant drilling into kuwait so they were they were drilling into kuwait's territory for oil from from the iraq side from the iraq side right and they were getting called on it and um and i think iraq was having some difficulties with it i could be wrong here but I think they were having some difficulties with the type of crude that they needed. To, they needed to be able to export, and Kuwait had more of it, and they didn't have much of it. Something like that, because yeah. there's all different kinds of crude. Oil so many there. oil
0: fields there in Kuwait yeah. compared to yeah.
1: <laughs> and then, um, and then when they got called on it, Saddam was like, "Well, Kuwait's really just Iraq 2.0, anyways. I mean, you guys belong to us, you know, historically." And so he made this case, much like it's being made between Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, um, that, that's a great that point. There's this that there's this historical um, connection between the two, and really, we should have all of those resources. And, you know, great point. Why are we Why are we slant drilling under the border since there's really no border? It's ours. And then uh, those they, those
0: borders were drawn what post World War One, right? Or yeah, Two. Yeah. Was it World War One yeah. or Two? Yeah, yeah Fair, they, so weren't, they, they weren't. They weren't old. Let's put it that way. They
1: they parents, weren't that old. No, and. Uh, and so, in order to stay to stay in power, much like they do in North Korea, um, Saddam's Saddam's, you know, thing was I'm going to make this caliphate, and you know we're the real Muslims here, and and uh, you know I'm going to show you how strong we are, and we're going to be this military caliphate. And so, um, so after you know. After capturing several uh, Kuwaiti flag tankers, you know, the United States was like, yo, uh, you're screwing with our gig here, man. You know, you're you're messing with our infrastructure, our ability to maintain our our industry and our military. Like, we can't really be having that. And um, I think it just kind of snowballed from that.
0: So... Did you see this happening kind of when it was all when those things you described you thought you you kind of thought we were going to go back
1: Yeah, I was pretty sure we were going to go back. Mm.
0: Despite everything that just happened 911 and uh, we're in Afghanistan at that I point. mean, you
1: had, tw- had 12 years of of new, you know, uh, what was that closed airspace?
0: Yeah. No-fly zone. No-fly zone. Years yep.
1: of violations, you know. Yeah. Um blatant violations of the no-fly zone. Um more saber rattling. Um, blowing up offshore oil rigs that didn't belong to them and you know just a myriad of things and then the whole weapons of mass destruction debacle Mm. uh, that ended up being their undoing whether any of it was true or not doesn't didn't really matter if everybody thought it was true
0: do you think so why do you think knowing what you did you know you, you laid it out where he was you know destroying stuff they didn't have but he was moving so much to Syria um if he knew war was inevitable with the United States and its partners why why do all that
1: we could not do it
0: but why put yourself in a totally unwinnable position
1: i mean it's the to me it's the same as the house of saud right now Without Saud is like the light version because they're not super militaristic, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But they there's certain things that they must do in order to stay in power. You got to realize that um, the Bath Party was, was, you know, yeah. the um, he was uh, not Shia. What's the other? Name?
0: No, he's a Sunni.
1: He's a Sunni. Yeah. So they were they were a minority. Yep. Right. And so fear militarism uh cronyism all of those sorts of things in a very violent manner was the uh was the way that he got in power the way he stayed in power and he couldn't back down from that um without with you know they almost had a a shia uprising you know when when we were there in, in 91 um we screwed the pooch on that um and that's what I, I mean though he just he just couldn't he couldn't not he had he had to he'd made all of these claims he'd made all of these and I think to some degree there might have been some um, delusion about what they It was the fourth it was the fourth largest army on the planet
0: oh dude, I remember being that point being beat down to me in basic training like it was almost to the point where you are like, wow, that's kind of scary. And then knowing I'm going to Iraq, I'm like, oh shit, this is the fourth largest army. Man, we're going down the highways on our way to Baghdad and you got thousands of people, thousands of soldiers surrendering. Right. You know, he really only had a force of his Iraqi, what was it? The Republican guard. That was Republican you know,
1: guard. 15, yeah.
0: 15, so 20,000 that actually felt like fighting. The rest of them were just like, man, we're just here for a paycheck.
1: Yeah. So I was in the third armored division. We, we, uh, I think we, we went up against the Talakana division, the Medina. There might've been another one. Um, but you know we were just smashing them um but you got to also realize that before that they were in they had this air campaign that was just humbling yeah. them i mean, we we're dry dropping freaking daisy cutters on them and you know for like a month um they were done
0: demoralized the only yeah. ones that
1: fought that were ready to fight were the were the Republican guards? Everybody yeah. else was like,
0: "Screw this!" Fuck this! This is not winnable. Yeah, that's crazy though. Like, because I don't think people account for, you know, the size of an army is such an outdated thing, right? When it comes to capability, right. like it's not. It's like this isn't like the the one thousands where you're gonna go invade your neighbor and hey, we got an army of eighty thousand. That really doesn't matter, bro. Like,
1: yeah,
0: if those troops aren't armed, well, ta- well maintained and trained, like they're just numbers. That's it.
1: Yeah, it's true, and and we found that out. I mean, because their their home guard or their national guard or whatever it was, those guys, I mean, they were all conscripted. Some of them had yeah. zero training. You know, they were. That's crazy. There was a story about about us capturing this trench, and we get there, and there was this one guy with a Yankees ball cap on. You know, and and the soldiers show up and surround them and point their guns at him. He's like, "What the freak? Took you so long?" You know, and he was some guy that was home. That was home, you know, um, uh, you know, in Iraq or just Saudi Arabia or one Kuwait, maybe, and um, you know, visiting family. He was. And he got caught, caught up, in up into it. And he got caught up in all of it. And he was just like, "I'm just waiting for these guys to." Bro,
0: know. I'm 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 more American than. <laughs> I got my Yankees <laughs> hat on and shit. <laughs> yeah, no that that is that's a great point, and that's you know, man, we're in such an odd time, but I don't think people need to or or people recognize and it's playing out. This is kind of my, my other segue for you. Cause it's playing out, you know, the United States, you know, we do have a massive defense budget, but we don't have a massive force by any means. We're not a very large yeah. military from an active side. We have a lot of reservists, but from an active side, we're definitely, we're not as big as you were when you came into a cold war by any means,
1: you know, yeah, probably half of yeah, that. We were, we, yeah. We were still quite big. Cause we were, we were you know, we were still doing the full of gap stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, it was pretty much towards the end of it. It was all getting ready to end. So, yeah, uh, the Iraq, the the Gulf War was a good segue into getting everybody back to the States.
0: Yeah. And then we, you know, we saw the, what was it, Clinton got rid of, I don't
1: know, what was the
0: second and third armor division?
1: Yep. Deactivated second armor division. Well, deactivated the third, second armor division forward deactivated because that was the one that was still in Germany. Um, I was in the second Armored division when I ETS, um, and okay. that's around Clinton era, um, and then probably shortly thereafter, not too not too many years thereafter, they probably get rid of the second.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's weird because I thought I can't remember where I heard this. It may have then Kennedy saying this thing. I don't know, um, but I thought that that was part of like a deal to do this, you know, reduction in defense spending and everything and all, but never really happened, right? Like we may have yeah. shrunk our army, but we definitely. Didn't. We haven't checked. Well,
1: they had those the the base closures every now and then. They'd have a list with bases we're going to close. Oh, we were going to close this one, but not really.
0: Yeah.
1: But uh, I was at Fort Polk. I was in the fifth Fifth Infantry Division when I got back from uh, Iraq. I was in the Fifth Infantry Division, at Fort Polk, and that's when they closed it down, moved the Fifth Infantry Division over to um, over to Fort Hood. Yeah, I don't even think they're
0: around anymore.
1: We came up as the no, they're not. We came no. up as the second entry, uh, second. Yeah, entry
0: I was gonna entry. say we got we got first, we've got second, we've got third, fourth. I think they brought back the eighth for some reason. I don't know why. I think that, and then there's a tenth. But I yes, thought they brought back because the eighth is like that little biohazard looking patch. My my grandfather yeah. had that in Korea. I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think they brought that back. But anyway, yeah, not. It's weird how the numbers are because it used to make a lot of sense, and now it's just
1: kind of <laughs> it's just no. Yeah, now they're just no.
0: Now they're not really sequenced anymore. But you bring all right. So you you brought up a really good point that I wanted to kind of segue into, um, with the Iraq, Kuwait, co- or correlation between Russia and Ukraine. And you were a Russian expert, and you you literally were trying to convey to combatant commanders, hey hey, these are the Russian capabilities now. This is what you're going to be dealing with. And I feel like most People, especially you know, from your age down to mine, like we kind of grew up in this Cold War era. There's a lot of people now in this country who have no concept of that, and yeah. all they're seeing play out is Iraq or not Iraq, but uh, Russia and, and Ukraine, and there's no real winner going on, right? And I yeah. think to them, they're just like, oh, whatever, yeah, Ukraine, go, 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 go. But you and I are probably watching this thinking, how is Russia? not defeated ukraine by now because it would be like iraq not yeah. defeating kuwait right if, if we just let that play out which we didn't but what do you think you know more than a year into this or russia ukraine war what's your whole take on that
1: yeah so so a couple things um and i'll 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 backdrop it by saying so in in intel during my period um you had a couple of different ways your job could go. You could have a completely tactical job and you only do the tactical stuff. Yeah. You could have a a tactical job and sometimes you get to do the strategic stuff. You could have a strategic job, um, and never go to the field. Um, and then you have your other government agency stuff. And I was fortunate. I got to do all of those. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, I got to work with other agencies under the auspices of the department of state for a little while. Um, I've worked in Russia. I've worked throughout uh, all of the former Soviet satellites. Um, I've been to Kiev. I've been to Moscow. I mean, I've been all over that place. Uh, Moldova, Umena, Yeah, uh, Lithuania, Latvia, all of them. And uh, I got to do strategic work um, and I did a lot of tactical work. And when we were in Russia... I mean, these guys had six feet of water in some of their ICBM silos. It's nuts. like maintenance is not their thing. <laughs> and it continued to not be their thing. Um, uh, they still rely a lot on 1950s, 1960s, 1970s technology. All their conscripts right now are getting uh, most in the gant. but
0: they were really good back then why did they not continue to they oh. were
1: good maneuver they were good at maneuver and they had a lot of people but look at who they were maneuvering against like they were maneuvering in Kazakhstan wow. Afghanistan yeah. and Afghanistan and uh, Latvia Lithuania Poland Czechoslovakia Yugoslavia you know they, they not not bastions of military might you know yeah um and most of that maneuvering was political anyways yeah right so um looking at you know when this when this uh ukraine thing started kick kicked off the biggest mistake that they made from the beginning the russians made from the beginning is they didn't have a single overarching commander they had two or three different generals that weren't really tied to each other. And so no Tommy
0: and, Franks from the des- the desert storm, right? Like, no, no, yeah. no
1: Tommy Franks, no Schwarzkopf, you know? Yeah. Um, and so
0: wait, Franks uh, was ours. Schwarzkopf was yours. Yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah.
1: I got him reversed. It's, You're right. <laughs> so, so, um, so what ended up happening is they, they, you know, they, they, they massed all of this, um, all of this armor and airborne might in Belarus and, and uh, Western Russia and squandered it. And not that that's not a Russian thing anyways. I mean, they will squander an entire airborne division, you know, as long as they meet their ground goals, but they didn't do either. And then because of their continued lack of maintenance, they had mud. They had a thaw and yeah. they're, you know, they're inflating, deflating systems on their, on their, on their vehicles and their wheeled vehicles. They were blowing out, they were blowing them out so they couldn't, couldn't travel. So they were dead in the water. Yeah. So their ability to move quickly, which speed is what, is what gets you the big gains. Yeah. They, they, they had speed when they, where they, where they were squandering it and they didn't have speed where they actually needed it.
0: So do you think this is an example of what I said previously, where numbers really don't matter? It's just how effectively you can actually carry out yeah. whatever you're doing. Cause there's no, no one would think Ukraine would have been able to do this at this point. Now let's take out our external support. I'm not even talking about that, oh, right. but I mean, so on their I, think, own. I
1: think Ukraine has put up a really valiant fight considering the size of their forces and the technology that they're working with, but they've taken Russian technology and they've, they've improved upon it. I mean, they, they, they. I think they own the manufacturing uh, for the Russian, you know, uh, T eighty tanks. Oops. Right. So, uh, so a lot of the things that that um, that the decentralization of the Soviet Union, um, the d- destruction, the the decay of it, so that it was again, yeah. Russia didn't do what it needed to do for a military infrastructure to do the types of things they tried to do in Ukraine or anywhere else.
0: Do you think um, Russia has held back from a resource standpoint because they're not trying to, no. I guess, taint the resources that they want back? No, I don't,
1: I don't, I don't, I don't. I think, I think their initial play was to hold back um, uh, to some degree, but they kind of have to because they have a lot of other borders. China would be a big one, yeah. Um, and there, you know, there's cross border crap going on all the time over there. Um, but I, th- I think the, the big deal is while while Russia would have if they if they had conscripted everybody and pushed everybody from the beginning, um, kind of like they did in World War Two, yeah. Um, regardless of what they had, they probably could have taken the entirety of the ukraine but they couldn't have held it they wouldn't have been able to hold it regardless um they just don't they don't have enough to hold it they had they had enough to take it they didn't they don't have enough to hold it and, and by now that's foregone conclusion they're, they're not going to take it they might hang on to the eastern portion of of ukraine you know, which is they're, they're
0: the pro-russia the fort side right
1: yeah pretty much along the same lines they have been since 2008 um but i just i just don't think they have the ability to do it now and i think they're trying to find a militarily viable and politically geopolitically viable way to stop it and putin's not ready for that yet he hasn't seen that he hasn't seen the writing on the wall yet or he has and he's not ready
0: yeah i did so that would be my next quote what do you think about this um like what was it two three weeks ago? The whole Pergosian private. What what'd you make of that when that unfolded? Because I I know everyone on yeah. the world, especially Twitter, got very excited for like a day, and it was over. It was like, so
1: I wanted to get out there very early and and put out a, a tweet that said, "Look, this isn't the this isn't the thing that everybody thinks it is." Um, it, that and was why'd a, you say
0: bad. that? Why'd you think that?
1: Um, it didn't have any impetus and. Um, looking at it from a purely Russian psyche sort of standpoint it just didn't feel like something that was going to succeed um, I felt more like it was well and you got to realize that Russian intelligence is in all of these PMCs you know Yeah. so Russia, the Russian's forces Russian leadership they, they knew what was going to go down before, before it happened and a PMC and I, for
0: I, those who don't—it's a private military contractor. Go ahead. Okay, sorry.
1: Which is what Wagner is, right? Yeah,
0: exact. Yeah, which is sponsors. the Prigozhin thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, I feel like this has some stink of the CIA on it. Uh, I think I think somebody in Western intelligence got Prigozhin to think that that you know that he would get some some cool support if he needed it. Um, Prigozhin did some things that. Um, I still don't understand how he got away with it, unless unless it was his job to make the CIA think that he was going to do this and get everybody all whipped up, and then uh, you know maybe it was a poke in the eye to the to the Central Intelligence Agency. So I'm starting to wonder if um, if the Central Intelligence Agency started something with Prigozhin and got him to think and. Uh, Russian intelligence got wind of it and said, "Hey, you know, we know that you're a good guy and you're not going to do this, but we want you to pretend like you're going to do this." Um, because what they do at the end of it, they shipped him off to Belarus for a week, and now he's back in Russia, and they fired Garasimov. So,
0: so do you? Think, I mean, do you think Russia still has the intelligence capability that they've always been at us with? but they just lack now the military capability to enforce a lot of the things that they could.
1: Yeah. So, so Russian, Russian intelligence pre, so between the KGB and the GRU, yeah. Russian intelligence pre Gulf war, pre mm-hmm. uh, um was, was pretty cookie cutter. Um, they were very good at it. But um, predictable to some degree. Yeah. I think I think since the, the decay of the Soviet Union, um, certainly since since the end of the Gulf War, maybe even since um, two thousand and five or two thousand and six, I think they've learned a great deal because they've had access to other than Western intelligence, other than Russian intelligence, um, yeah. Methodologies, technology. Um, I don't know. I, anytime, anytime you, anytime you feel like the Russians aren't good at something, they try to show you that they are and they actually do pretty good.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, in a surprising way, usually in a way that we haven't thought about. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would never want to take away anything from russian intelligence um but i think they're better at infiltration um, of their own just like the soviets they're better at infiltrating their own political allies and um, their own military m- and politics than they are at, at others
0: so with the Not fall they're bad at it just yeah
1: just,
0: with the fall of the soviet union who in your opinion, since this was kind of your your error, who who was the biggest loss to them from a like a capability standpoint? Like, who who did they rely on that they no longer could at that point? I guess from the regions that split it's... off, Ukraine, Ukraine. Well, yeah, aside from Ukraine, because that's clearly what they're having the biggest well, issue.
1: You got to realize that,
0: that's what they want back.
1: Yeah, so you got to realize that they had like I don't know eleven different avenues. Um, of approach through which they could transport military um, and supplies that were internal to them as the Soviet Union. And when the Soviet Union broke apart, those 11 different avenues became like three. And so they don't have food production. They don't have the... Um, mineral resources, um, their ability to—they have oil. They have a yeah. lot of oil. It's a very specific time. That's why they natural gas. Up. Yeah, yeah. That's why they've been buying up so much Southeast Asian oil. But their natural gas is coming from Ukraine. Oh, right. So they don't have much, and their population is in decline. And by 2050 if they don't prevail in georgia, ukraine I'm I'm thinking annexing or at least keeping very very close political ties with belarus if they aren't able to do those things they're not going to be relevant as a nation they they will be irrelevant you
0: by you said by 2050 by
1: 2050
0: that's a very very large country to render irrelevant, though, don't you think? Do you think they just split into more, well, and more in, smaller they're in like ones, or steep what?
1: Population decline, and I'll, I'll I'll refer you to if you go to the. Well, I mean,
0: we're the, seeing the population decline outside of immigrants, right? So,
1: right, but they don't have that.
0: That's true. No one's have, no one's have the no one's crashing the border to go live in Siberia. Yeah.
1: So, uh, if you if you, uh, I, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but I think his first name, it might be. Um, Peter Strahan might be the name. Okay. Um, he did he did a um, he did an analysis of this on um, Benning's maneuver uh, maneuver excellence um, YouTube channel, and he breaks it down like what are the threats to China and what are the threats to Russia, and they in both cases the population the population yep. is in severe severe decline. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we've seen that with China already. I know they reversed the one-child policy thing, and I talked about this with Heather. It's like you know everyone, and I I think I recently kind of maybe a little too aggressively snapped at some dude on Twitter a few weeks ago about like pretending Russia's anything or not Russia, but China's anything more than a paper tiger. I'm not going to say that they're not just a paper tiger, but let's let's pump the brakes on like this next great Chinese, you know military uh force because at the end of the day most of that country is is, is a peasant population that wants no part of the united states like they they That's just right. they don't and they can't they can't feed them right they can't maintain them either and it's and a very
1: is failing
0: yeah i mean it's a they great china does a lot of stuff but man i just there's there's so much of me that just wishes you know and this is totally from my own eric's own personal utopia standpoint i just wish we'd pull that fucking plug on manufacturing in that country and just you know yeah. like you can't tell me we can't incentivize enough to produce this stuff here like
1: imagine it, if imagine if we if even if we didn't bring it back to the united states what if we moved it to india and bangladesh because we're losing relations with India right now.
0: Yeah, and they would love to have our fucking money. And we That's could right. we could absolutely rely on them because why? Where is India located geopolitically? That's right. Who do they actually uh mass with in terms of population, right? They're already having yeah. all those border skirmishes up in the mountains as it is like I mean, That's this right. is a very clear picture of who you need to become an ally with.
1: That's right, that's right.
0: <laughs> and then even yeah, we need to build better relations with Pakistan. Like we already saw how that played out by not having a relationship with the whole Bin Laden thing. Like,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are things that and the we, entirety of Afghanistan.
0: Yeah. Oh my god, which, which is a country I spent you know my uh, almost a year in, but you know that's another <laughs> what. <laughs> Let me go there real quick. When you, because this is embarrassing for me, it really is. You know, just it's just embarrassing for a lot of reasons. But when you watch the withdrawal play out, I mean, it's almost two years at this point, twenty twenty one. What, yeah, as you as a former service member, what, 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 just, and then just as an American overall, what, like, what was your take on that?
1: Well, you got to realize that I, I'm old enough to where the our evacuation from Vietnam was on television when I was a child.
0: Wow! So you've you've seen the literal
1: correlation? So it yeah. it it one hundred percent looked like that.
0: That's sad, man.
1: Aircraft. It's sad. Yeah.
0: And and and, uh man, I can't. I really just watched this movie like a week ago, and I can't remember the name of it. Where it's like, is it Jake Gyllenhaal? The movie where he's like going back to re- rescue his, his interpreter from Afghanistan. Oh but, yeah. God, I just saw it. Anyway, I, but so they I just saw it. I just saw it a little while ago. Did you? Did you like it? Yeah, it was cool. I, I mean, you know, for what it was, I thought it was, it was it was pretty well done. But um, no, they make a great point in that movie is like, man, there's so many tens of thousands of interpreters that worked with us and that we didn't get out. But yeah, a month later, it was all returned back to the Taliban. It's like we never were there. Yep. Is that crazy? Like It's like we were ne- in one month. I mean, it's like after 20 years, we were never there.
1: How many how many other places that, how many other countries have tried to do this? Afghanistan we were doing is in, literally in one
0: style. of the in like I swear I would love to read a history book from like 300 years from now. Yeah, and just the history, just Western's appearance in the country of Afghanistan. I mean, even you go back and read what some of the the the, the British uh, God, what are those religious groups called that go there and try and do their their, their, their they spread the religion? What do they call it? Oh, My God. The um,
1: ministries yeah, yeah it, when it, the it. british
0: ministries went there in the 1860s while we were having our civil war the stuff that was going on there man it's like no one goes to afghanistan and comes out successful no one it's right. crazy but it's a it's you have to respect that in a way like in well, a it
1: absolutely and 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 the thing about it is is and i think we did the same thing in iraq um when we tried to set up provisional governments and all of that, in yeah. From the beginning, I think we did the same thing as we overestimated our ability to change an ancient people's way of thinking.
0: You know what? It, it's hard. I'll tell you this: you don't change DNA. You don't. No. They, if they, they like, a, if they wanted it, they 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 would have came up with it way before we showed up.
1: Yeah. They have a thousand year right, old way before politics, us politics. A, a thousand year old way of doing business, a thousand year old way, year old way of determining who respects whom. I mean, you're not changing that in no. a year or that's five ingrained.
0: Years that's in what I said. Years. That that's ingrained in DNA and you don't break DNA. I mean, look at
1: look especially at some when of the, you're the third society to come along and try to do it.
0: They yeah, it's like and we've seen that. this movie before. Yeah, like, all right,
1: yeah. we'll just wait
0: it out. Yeah. And I don't get me wrong, I, mean, I feel like we did a lot of really good things there, but it just sucks that within a month it didn't matter. It didn't matter, it didn't hold. And because it's yeah. not because it, it's not because of what we did, didn't hold, it's because of the faith that we put into others to carry those things out. They never bought in, they bought into the paycheck, it. and that was it. Yeah, and that's kind of sad because man, I, I got so many like. Yeah, there's great stories of interpreters that did get out. You know, I I knew one that I had that was fortunate to get out with his family. Like, I'm glad that we were able to do a lot of that. But for the most part, man, I remember being in Afghanistan and it was like the first Wednesday, I think, of every month we would have a women's bazaar come on base and and they would do their thing. And a lot of these women were from like the orphanages or right highly abused situations that they had gotten out of and it, I just think back on them it's like man I, I try not to let my mind drift to that place because I have no idea what happened to them and I I yeah, think what, there's what only is, one bad like outcome now? yeah there's like, probably there's no positive outcome it's not like oh yeah we'll just leave them alone let them do their thing no you, you they've probably found themselves back in those situations yeah. it's it's a pretty shitty concept to think of um, well that there's there's a damper on the mood yeah uh, <laughs> but the home run derby's on so i got that going um so yeah so that's where we're at with kind of that iraq kuwait russia ukraine co or correlation and i know you brought up that you think putin hasn't quite seen the political outcome that's best for him but i mean what does that look like for him at this point especially where we get fed so many stories it's hard to make sense of whether they're true or not if that like even russia's ready for putin to be gone and
1: there's a lot of people suing for peace um right now and and um
0: i gotta grab an ice cube keep going i can hear you so
1: okay yeah so there's a lot of people suing for peace right now and, and and i don't know how i feel about that um i i think if we i think if we don't get putin gone we're going to be doing this again in five or ten years but at the same time you know we're just shoveling money and resources to our own detriment into ukraine into ukraine so i'm so like i'm not fence sitting but i'm like yeah let's crush russia once and for all because that was my mission for 10 years you know yeah and then uh but at the same time, I'm like, but at what expense like it like we are actively at war with Russia without having the courage yeah. or national will to declare it um, and and this looks like Vietnam all over again, but we say that for every conflict, right? We say that for every conflict. but lately, every conflict has kind of had those correlations, so. Yeah. I was going to say, what's I, the
0: point of having another? Like, didn't we learn the regime change thing doesn't work?
1: Regime change doesn't work. Um, containment really doesn't work. I mean, North Korea has been contained for 50 years and we contained Saddam Hussein for many years. Um, I, I mean, at some point, do we bring back the pre 82 we can assassinate dudes? <laughs>
0: I don't know,
1: man. I, I don't, don't know. I I mean it's funny you bring that up because
0: I talk about like I I think and and I don't and I I want to preface this by saying it was not something that I wanted by any means to happen. I just felt like the way they made it seem like this dude's life was in danger every single day and nothing ever really happened from a safety standpoint was I thought if we were ever going to have another assassination attempt or any type of political assassination in this country it would have been when obama was president right because we haven't seen anything really
1: since reagan right no we haven't and and even reagan, around the
0: world you don't see this stuff anymore where i mean we reagan had assassination ironically
1: was the one was the one who ended uh the cia's ability the, the u.s government's ability to do assassination ops we just do them differently now yeah maybe you know? We just do but, it differently
0: now yeah because i mean i i man the, the entire 20th century was just full of political assassinations that kicked off you know actual world wars and shit <laughs> and
1: right.
0: you know I, i'm glad we don't see any of that stuff even even as, as volatile as trump was to, to a certain group of people like that never really seemed to manifest which is great because you don't want to see that but yeah. yeah that's that's an interesting point um I don't know if we get back to that. I don't. I don't. So even know. So
1: I. I just. I don't know how. I don't know how I feel about the entirety of the Ukraine. Russia thing. Because um, yeah, you would have thought maybe they would have tried
0: it by now. Because I can't imagine that any of those.
1: Oh, um, is it that hard yeah, to get I'm... to
0: Zelensky or, or Putin? Is it really that hard to get to them? Yeah, I think
1: it's pretty difficult. I think
0: okay. I think it's difficult
1: for them. Because I mean, Zelensky's I was...
0: doing Vanity Fair shoots and shit. Like he, he seems to be a fucking star anyway. Like can't be. Yeah, that... but he's
1: probably he's probably got Secret Service protection at, at the very least. And... You think ours? I think ours.
0: <laughs> God, because I know he's got his little handlers around him, but the guy's like he's a little he's. He's, he's like the size of my cat. It's embarrassing, man. Yeah. Like, this is guy's? Yeah. Anyway, I'm we'll go probably
1: ahead. the size of your cat.
0: Yeah, right? uh, well, at least you're American. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're we're. So, what do you think about you? You said he's he probably got protection, and you, none of them can get to each other at this point. Because I'm surprised that nothing's really happened to either. No, and I don't.
1: I don't think it's a good move geopolitically either for really? either of them. No, I don't think it's good. Um I I think I think that will kick off like like it has. I think that will kick off things that nobody really wants to see.
0: What do you think about Lindsey Graham calling for like we have to have an emergency session and get Ukraine admitted to NATO? I don't want I
1: don't I don't think this is a good time to admit um Ukraine to NATO. I think um I think Writing waivers for all of the crap that that is a naval re, NATO requirement for everybody else for Ukraine is a bad idea, and it immediately puts us on a direct war footing with Russia. Um, at this point, we still have a little bit of deniability as far as you know direct warfare with Russia. It's very that, tenuous, the- but you got to realize diplomatic stuff works differently than common sense, right? Yeah. Um, so there's a very, there's a very stark diplomatic protocol and language. And we haven't, I haven't seen any of those words yet. Um, and when, when I do see some of those words, I'll let you know, because that means stuff is coming, but I, I mm. haven't seen those yet. I, I think, I think, I think it's a bad idea.
0: Um So how how much how much longer do you think this goes on then? Because it doesn't seem like anybody's really it's it doesn't seem like there's a win in the future for anybody.
1: Yeah, I think Russia's looking for something that they can call a win. I, I I've heard some chatter about um about them maybe you know if certain certain lines in the Crimea Eastern Ukraine are maintained, you know we can. We can call it good. Um, uh, But I don't know. Like, I I think this could go on for a very long time. And I don't think, I think people are starting to lose their one attention span.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally.
1: But two, starting to lose their fire for this as it drags on. Um, Well, I
0: mean, if I walk around here, I've still got to deal with the fucking the flag waving everywhere. There's this house over by the National Cathedral that's probably got a thousand fucking Ukraine flags in the front yard. I mean, yeah, everybody's got a wave of flag. How come no something. one's on Russia's side? I'm not even saying, like, you should be. I'm just like, yeah. how did you get, like, this total unanimous support? Like, Ukraine is the only one that has to be supported. They are the great, great victory. We must have Ukraine. Well, we
1: did a good job of being Russia's enemy for 50 I, years, you know? I
0: know, but it's like, there's no critical
1: thought into why maybe Russia's doing what they're no, doing. Or or or, or what <laughs> might be bad about that, you know? Um. Weird, man. Just weird. It really is. The entirety of of the Slavic psyche, man, is, and they say this about Russians, but it's not just Russians. Um, is is like a a mystery wrapped in an enigma, or vice versa. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a really hard people to unpack. It really
0: is. Sorry, but my fucking cat's going crazy right now, (laughs) bro. What? Why now? We're almost done. He's a special. He's a special creature. Yeah. No, uh, you're right about that because and and that's why, like, it, there's just moments in our our own leadership. Like I go back to the Lindsey Graham thing. Like you know, you got that video a few weeks ago. Maybe it was last month of him just sitting there at a table laughing with Zelensky, like the Russians are dying. I'm like, is that? is that any time is there ever a time to laugh at other people dying like young this men is, dying for something that they have no control over and that's some sort of joke
1: this is the most hollywood movie i've uh, ever
0: yeah. Uh, yeah i've
1: ever seen you know it's yeah. just weird the whole freaking thing is weird the, the production um the it's it's we constantly get these
0: drone videos from Ukraine with like a soundtrack and everything every day. It's like, yeah,
1: yeah. what is this? I, that's what I mean. I know you. you well, I mean, like this like, is propaganda for TikTok. You know, we've got we've got six to twenty seconds to get somebody's attention and make them believe true. what we say.
0: That's a good point. So that's why it's like it's hard for me to think like, man, how's that's why? I, and I know you said no, but I'm just really like how is i i try to correlate this and i've said this on with other people but it's just like you know if california was just like you know what you know they, they broke off from the union in the united states to try to try to go get them back that's kind of what i think it would be but i don't think like it would be very hard for us to take california back if we really wanted to and that's why i keep coming back does you does does russia really want to get ukraine
1: back because i feel like they could i think i think their ability to do it has been has been heavily diminished um i I don't think they had uh, a very um, deep equipment inventory Um, and what they did have. We, we saw evidence that it was, you know, not maintained very well.
0: Yeah. that's, that's what I want. And I just
1: don't think they can at this point. I think they're just, at this point, I think they're trying to hold what they got more than they are trying to capture more. How did
0: that like, do you, do you have any insight on how like they just neglected the basic, tenants of upkeep and and just knowing that this stuff if they were going to be our like actual near peer adversary
1: like because
0: we talk about how great they were at infiltrating and and the human intelligence side of it they didn't realize that hey we're really good at maintenance maybe we should do what the united states does
1: it's not their thing like they tried it in 2008 they tried it in 2014 the reimagining their armed forces and you know they changed some commanders and renamed some stuff but um they didn't
0: cultures too ingrained
1: They they yeah it's it, it's just not their thing. You know they're um, so weird though. That's they're, that weird they're more like about a... taking on other aspects of different cultures than they are of of well, well, that would it so why not take on that like from it's, it's not their thing. It's That's just so not, hard I for I me I to understand better. But I mean, like I know, you're right. You're you know, probably you're just still like, Dude, sending conscripts out with most in the gans. You know, yeah. I mean they're fun rifles to shoot, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna equip a modern army with it. They just their ability to produce yeah. what they needed to to field a force capable of taking and holding large pieces of territory just was non existent.
0: It's so weird because I, I remember you know, when I was deployed to the, the, the Middle East, I was all over in 2015. But I remember reading a story in the Stars and Stripes of, like, Russian military, like, they couldn't afford to, like, issue socks to the army. Yeah,
1: right.
0: And I'm like, man, I could go to the, I could walk outside of my, my little hooch here and go to not one, but two PXs within half a mile walk. And I go buy whatever the fuck I want. Right. Socks. So Jim, show anything refit
1: in 2008 um was uniforms and some reactive armor and then in 2014 they came out with the new with the new rifle a new variant of the the kalashnikov um and then they didn't produce them they just produced you know a token amount of them so they just
0: isn't that weird though because like they the this is the same country who produced the AK-47, arguably yeah. the probably the best rifle in human history, however you want to look at it, like from a longevity standpoint and just it just fucking works. And well, then they
1: largely won World War II. Like what happened? Yes. So so <laughs> uh, let me try to make it let me try to make it this comparison. If you look at if you look at what our army looked like in Ninety, ninety-one. When we went to the Gulf, yeah, most of us—the only people that had knee pads and body armor and a high amount of night vision technology were special operations. Yeah, well,
0: when right. we went in two thousand three, it was the combat arms guys because it wasn't me,
1: <laughs> right? And now, freaking everybody's got body armor. True.
0: Yeah, that's true. You yeah. know, everybody's yeah.
1: got nods. So. Very they did not optics that. all
0: that yeah everything you can Yeah that.
1: they didn't do that That's crazy They it was just it was like so they have T80s now Yeah but when I was in they said oh yeah we've got this T80 and we're we're exporting all of our other tanks but we're not exporting the T80 we're keeping them in Russia right It didn't exist the T80 didn't exist it was completely on paper But but the entire western world believed it and they're still doing that,
0: so they're 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 too busy trying to pull a psyop off of rather than just just doing
1: a real op. Absolutely, because no what, one what thinks- they have to do, they would have to spend enormous amounts of money that they probably don't have. Their their economy is still very oil based. Yeah, um, you know they've diverse, diversified a good deal since the '90s, but it's still very oil based. And they just don't have the capability to do big country stuff. And they're not used to that because we treated them like a big country.
0: It's really, it's really insightful what you're saying because yeah, I think a lot of people still, at least from our age bracket, look at Russia from this, this cold war perspective, right? Where they were like, that was the, yeah, that was the, uh, the
1: evil empire. And you you know, in some ways they are yeah but it's mostly strategic it's not tactical
0: do you think there's do you think china's the same way or do you think china's
1: i think china i think china's the same way yeah. look at the aircraft carriers they're still yeah. using you know scoop types. Yeah technology. no
0: i i i agree 100% i know everyone tries to pump this china fear porn to us all well, and all didn't
1: it's... china buy russia's big ass aircraft carrier that never got built I think
0: it's I so wild to me like like China is literally like and this is what I don't understand because Japan does it to an extent too like the, you see this with Japanese whiskey I, I I have to bring it back to the, the spirit world of course early 1900s the, the guy's name escapes me at this point but uh he was he was a, he was a Japanese man who was sent over to Scotland he even took a Scottish bride to learn how to make whiskey like the scots and brought all that information and all that technology back and they started their first distillery and all and and japan is very good at replicating something
1: yeah
0: same thing with beef like they did it the the whole reason they they came up with japanese wagyu beef was to appeal to the american servicemen like because they didn't have cows like they didn't do beef like and it's weird when uh, I, I I thought of I'm trying to think of like, what is it's it, it it was not beef so much, but in China, there there's no pork or no no it's not pork. There's no beef in China. Like yeah, very pork little beef. pork. Yeah, it's all. Very, and 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 it pork. was one of the most like staring me in the face obvious things until someone actually said it to me like a month ago, and I was like,
1: holy shit, you're right. They well, don't. They got beef now because we ship them the either yes. the cows or the quarter yeah. beef so that they could they could fix it up and ship it back to us. Right. It's so, like, it's hell?
0: just such a weird phenomenon to me. It's like, but I'm looking at it from a Japanese perspective. It's like, yes, we'll, yeah. we, we have no idea how to do that. but We can go learn it and we'll do it very, 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 very probably better than you when it comes to, like, scotch and whiskey and well, what that, they do. It
1: correlates perfectly into the military world, too, because yeah. you've seen what, you've seen what the Japanese have done with our F-16s. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they take an F-16 and they they make it so freaking you know 10 times better as far as its capability and electronic warfare and
0: well they're uh, the masters of continuous improvement look at toyota like they invented basically the concept they know how to make something better over and over and over but for whatever reason they're just they don't come up with it they just (laughs) yeah but i say that with china as well it's like Man, you saw. I Remember the big deal? It was man. It, it, I think it may have been during the Obama administration. I, I feel like it, was. it had to have been. At least maybe the tail end when they shot down one of our, or you know, I didn't. They didn't shoot it down, but we, we had like a B two bomber or some shit crash in their area, and they recovered it and yeah. they never gave it back. Right. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, now they're gonna make one, but are are they? Are we really the only ones? Because we we sit here and we bang on ourselves so much yeah we, we bang on the military we bang on all the woke we bang on everything that we possibly do but are we really the only ones that even have any sort of r&d that come up with this shit at this point
1: i think we're i think we're freaking good at it and i don't know <laughs> if it's all americans that make us good at it maybe it's maybe I it's smaller. Yeah, yeah trust, trust me we got most of our people and, in these projects you know what i'm saying not. like because what is american <laughs> anymore right yeah um, but but we're freaking good at it. I mean, ingenuity is what we're known for.
0: Yeah. Yep. Not so much at the government side at this point, because that's where no, I.
1: But even then, even then,
0: it's our it's our it's our private base, our private sector who else, base.
1: Who else does government the way we do it? Like we're we're still pretty unique.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. And that's why I say like I I I get in these conversations all the time. It's like, you know, I, I know what you're fed from a mass media perspective. It's just like it, it really isn't that. No, it's not. You know, you have these outliers that make it seem like it's everyone. But man, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I said this the other day, like we are from a military side. If we really want to reach out and touch you, we could. And, you know, we've had some blunders. And they've been well publicized and and the the hits and the arrows have been well earned. But for the most Uh, part, you know, I think we're all right.
1: I think so, too. And I think most of our blunders have been when we have instead of just going in and straight up conquering a place.
0: It'd be better. We
1: try to. Make nation build us, yeah,
0: yeah nation building regime change all that stuff mr paul bremer i know i've messaged you a million times on this podcast but if i do ever see you i'm i'm really unhappy with you as a human One of these. yeah i'm just you no nah, I, I would just like to meet that guy and be like do you what, what's it like knowing that you're responsible for like hundreds of thousands of deaths what's that like right you know I mean, and i, I <laughs> he's probably out here somewhere i mean it can't be too far from me at this point um yeah that's that that's kind of where i'm at with that guy um all right let's let's shift real quick and then i know i I don't want to keep you all night i could i got a movie to go watch soon but um sound of freedom have you seen that yet
1: i'm not gonna i'm gonna watch it
0: yeah i'm excited i i hope i stay awake because it's it's a little late for me but yeah you know why not i get to sleep Timer. i know um (laughs) so so war lizard tactical tell me what war lizard tactical is
1: so, War Lizard Tactical is a is a we got a small firearms academy here, and our mission is to train as many people as we possibly can without cost being a barrier to training. So our our courses are super awesome. inexpensive.
0: Yeah, that's cool. We try
1: to pack in a ton of value. Um, it, we teach it like a martial art. So you you take that entry level fundamentals course. You have to graduate that course before you can start taking other courses. Now, Um, is it like an army
0: course where you just get pushed through no matter what? Or do you have to earn it?
1: No, no, you have to earn it. So (laughs) good. (laughs) uh, And it's a little bit subjective. Um, That fundamentals level, what we're looking for is, uh, you know, comfort with manipulation, safety, because Mm. that defensive level, like on our defensive pistol track, our pistol track, that defensive pistol one course or the next course after the fundamentals, the very first thing we do is run with guns. So like um, physically
0: running with them
1: physically running with yeah okay cool so uh so some people uh, you know they show up and they've already got some skills and they they take it once on the fundamental level and they're able to we have like a little casino chip oh
0: there you go nice
1: Um, we have like a little casino chip for each level cool that's cool that's
0: a nice little touch get
1: your chip for that level that means you can start taking the next level classes we train Uh, We train people from PMCs, we train military, we train law enforcement, uh, we got guys from HSI to take our courses, no ATF allowed. Why aren't the ATF allowed, Joel? uh, You know, that's a whole different episode
0: that'll be the second episode i still got to get uh claude mr claude's barbecue back on for part two because man he just he ended with a great cliffhanger like bro now (laughs) you want to tell this story after two hours what like what the so uh
1: so and then just a ton of civilians who otherwise wouldn't train because you know i just i buy a gun i can barely afford the gun and now i got to pay 150 bucks to go to a a, you know yeah yeah that's true and so yeah. we do that We do that fundamentals class for 45 bucks. CCW stuff is a, is a complimentary component of that. So we'll help you get ready for your CCW. Um,
0: What's that look like in Arizona? CCW. It's,
1: it's, it, it's basically a safety course. I mean, you could take a 30-minute safety course and it would it would meet the requirements, but we give people actual training. Uh-huh. Um, we make sure that they understand use of force and, and the concealed carry laws in the state do you have yeah
0: do you know what virginia's was where i'm at what is it so i came from california right now i know it's changed recently apparently my brother was trying to tell me like it's all dependent upon the local sheriff now but when i for the most part when i was out there it's like you literally had to go to court and prove your life was in danger
1: yeah i remember that
0: however virginia just gotta be a resident. Yep.
1: That's it. So we have resident and non resident. <laughs> it's okay.
0: Five years. I, I literally walked to the courthouse, paid my fifty bucks, got my thing, and then now to buy here's where they get you. You gotta to buy a to buy a a handgun, you have to have a Virginia driver's license that's at least thirty days old. Gotcha. So cool, fine, got it. Cause I walked in, I'm like, man, I got all this stuff. And like, yeah. That, you have a California license. I'm like, fuck. All right. <laughs>
1: I'll be back in 30 days. Get that squared away. Yeah. So we're a constitutional carry state, um, but there are some benefits. Like you can go into a place that serves alcohol for consumption. If you okay. have the car and you're, ah. concealed and you don't yeah, have not
0: that, That's, that's a good point. I haven't looked into that. I just know, like I purposely lived on the free side of the river because man, you could cross over to DC and then it's just, yeah, very different. you know, now I'm, now I'm a criminal. I'm the bad guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we we'll hope I'm hoping that the firearms policy uh coalition will take care of that soon too.
0: Yeah. Well, uh it's dependent on who's in office, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we're we, we just won a big case uh we all of us America American, we just won a big case uh about the frames and and uh 80% lowers. So not a firearm and uh the brace Ruling. I will see that pretty soon. And uh, I've been following that case pretty closely. It looks like you got a good shot of ruling out,
0: too. That's cool. You have this knowledge base. So, so how did you get into the, the, the tactical training side? Because I think a lot of people just, and I'm glad you're someone from this background because, you know, everyone in the Army who joins gets, you know, basic marksmanship right and then everyone at any unit level has the option to go do advanced training if they so pursue it but most people don't but so how did you find yourself into that
1: so there's a story um so i I kind of wanted to do it anyways and I, i was i you know i i like running guns i've been doing it a long time um but i never really wanted to teach and at some point i was like you know maybe i'll i'll get my nra shirts and yeah and just i won't you know teach people that if I, if, I, if somebody wants a basic course, I'll just teach it to them. You know, Boy Scouts or whatever. Um, and then, uh, my son was in the ROTC program at the University of Arizona. Okay. And he had already been to already been to basic camp. Yep. They're down. <laughs> already been to basic camp uh, as a sophomore. Was doing really well. Um, was starting to um, get into some leadership positions. And um, he was selected for Sapper School. Okay. Um, was. Which, uh, for those of you
0: don't you know, good. it's like some pretty cool advanced engineer shit. It's really cool. Yeah,
1: it's like the school. fourth tab. Yeah. Fourth tab force, right?
0: Yeah, it's cool. It's a very cool school.
1: Uh, got selected for Sapper School, number one on the Order of Merit list for the program. Oh, nice! Damn. And was put into a leadership position and diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in the same. Oh,
0: day. come on. Here we go. I already see where this is going. All right, keep going.
1: So, uh, of course, no scholarships anymore. Um, pretty much ruined the entire plan that he's had since the, like the fifth grade, right? Fucking dumb. Um, and him and his fiance were hit pretty hard with that. Yeah. And... Um,
0: Man, I'm really biting my yeah, tongue on. So get a shit, functional. Yeah, no, I'm biting my tongue on a lot of it because I I know exactly where you're going. Uh,
1: tough situation, you know, really tough mm-hmm. situation. But you know, my kids, yeah. the way the way we raise our kids is to just roll with stuff and tough it out, and and in true fashion, he did that. But he was having a hard time focusing that semester on grades, and it was just heartbreaking. Yeah, and so he's really passionate about about the gun stuff and i was like you know let's let's do this company let's let's build something that that he's passionate about that i can kind of direct his attention to and have him focus on something that's positive rather than on the negative yeah so that's what we did
0: that's awesome so your son does this with you
1: yeah yeah oh cool that's cool as shit kind of a family stuff and then and his wife, now wife, yeah.
0: uh, is part of it as well. Oh, good. Well, so there's a happy ending to this story because... There's a
1: happy ending to it, yeah, but it's, it's know, a very emotional situation.
0: No, absolutely. And that's why I said I'm going to bite my tongue on a lot of stuff that I can say in terms of the the, the counter narrative to what usually goes to so people like your son who in juxtaposition of who get to serve still. But yeah, yeah I know that's... He got a
1: lot of really good support from, from the local... Um, guard you know recruiters and mm-hmm. and his yeah, leadership as he should. his leadership at the school and and his leadership in big army um and i actually didn't separate him for a year
0: no it's good but i mean it's Forgotten. you know i i always go back to someone like your son that we're talking about like you know what if this was like a, a legit national emergency or whatever are we going to make a fucking deal out of this
1: yeah
0: no we're gonna we're gonna send him to go do exactly what he was tracking to do and he's probably gonna go do it admirably and perform great and there's not gonna be a fucking issue but because you know we have some stupid arbitrary regulation and don't get me wrong i i agree with there's there's plenty of regulations from a medical standpoint i've read every single fucking one of them i had to but there's times when i'm just like come
1: on really yeah, so this is the guy you want in your unit. Honestly. Exactly. Is- I, it
0: sounds like it. I mean, if he's anything, anything for you. you
1: know. I was on the phone uh, with, with with one of the recruiters who was trying to get him transitioned over to the National Guard to see if they could take care of him there. Yeah. I'm um, talking to his big army advisor at the university, and the, the, the staff sergeant was like, sir, I'll, I just want to tell you that we got a guy that in your program that's just got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. They've got his dad here, and he's like, who is it? he's like it's gains and he's like damn it and that was almost as heartbreaking as, as getting a diagnosis you know
0: yeah the dude knew um, who you were yeah yeah that's fucking shitty man because it's why i said like i i, I have it it's kind of a, it's a blessing to in you know i i have plenty of negative sides and stories from being in the recruiting world at the end of my, my, my active time. But, you know, there's a lot of positives to it, but there's a lot of stories mixed in with that, that are very similar to your son. And it's just like, some of the stuff that we disqualify, not just like people who, Oh yeah. I, you know, I got a 32 on the, the, you know, the ASVAB, I barely qualified. Oh man, but you found this to disqualify me. No, I'm talking about like dudes, and 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 some women too who are like, literally the 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 quintessential best and the brightest, and we're gonna hold this yeah. fucking bullshit medical reason as we can't why. find as,
1: some way to work with
0: them. Yeah, that's a barrier to yeah. their service when they could literally fucking change the unit they go into for the better, and it's just like, man, I. You know, I hate to say this, but your son is just one of many stories in my seven years that I saw, and I'm just like, man, this is fucking stupid. It really is. It's really stupid. And from a counter side of it, to the people that we, there's a very specific section and sect of people that we, we, we bend over backwards to push through.
1: And even then,
0: yeah, no, it's just like, man, you come on, like this is who we're going to trade this person for this person. It's just like. Man, if this was like, again, and I go back to, if this was like a legit national emergency where it's time to, hey, this is no shit, all hands get the fuck on deck because we got to go do some shit, it wouldn't be a problem. He'd be there. Yeah, so, there whatever
1: w- he's supposed to do. There was a first sergeant who actually had type 1 diabetes that um, was able to deploy and all that yeah. stuff, but they just weren't allowing it at that time. I know. But, I you still- know, the thing about it is, is cool thing is, you know, we're both passionate about this. We're both passionate about training people. Um, we have the Whoville tactical shirt. I don't know if you've seen that small unit mm-hmm. ops and uh, we take the proceeds from that. That's something Demp and I kind of put together. We take the proceeds yeah. from that. Good we dude. train people for free. We buy them kit. Um, using that's cool. That money. So, you know, we just want to get as many people trained as possible. we we train about 300 people a year.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah dude, that's pretty, pretty good cool. scale. That's literally, that's like two basic training classes a year right there. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: so we're doing good, and we've got good retention That's two cycles. That's cool. People take our courses. Um, You know, usually uh, when they take that first course, we know we're going to have them for other courses Yeah, as long as we can get them past that. that
0: Are you only in Arizona?
1: We're only in Arizona now. Uh, I think we're going to do a couple of courses in Texas in 24. We've been asked to come out to- uh, Yeah, you need need to go save save
0: Texas. That'd be great texas needs saving
1: yeah so uh so we have a we have a training partner that um that we might be able to do some stuff with along with the i-20 corridor yeah um i don't i don't want to divulge anything yet no so, no, no that's cool uh, that's still cool. in early stages of discussion with that but yeah we're uh, we're looking to do some other things and uh we're constantly questioning ourselves on, you know, like how big of a business do we want this to be? Do we want, how long do we want to do this?
0: Walmart. That's what you want. You want Walmart. On your
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. I'm glad there's a positive ending to that story with your son because yeah, you know, like I said.
1: Yeah. And he's doing great. He, he finished, he finished school. He's uh he's working in the defense industry as an engineer.
0: Oh, and, imagine uh, that. Like he could do the other side, but he can't, you're just trying to tell yeah. him. He can't. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> All right, Good for him. Good. I love that he still gets to do it. That's cool. Good for him. All right. All right. Joel, is there anything else you need to pimp while you're here? About to get uh, out let's, of pimp,
1: here. let's pimp chaos terrain real quick. Just yeah, let's do that. And, you know, what is that? I wrote a book. I wrote a yeah. book. It's, it's okay. It doesn't suck totally. Uh, What's it about? Uh, So it's about the first United States ship in space. And uh, they're going to um, the jovian moon europa okay and they're going to uh they're going to explore europa and some some funky stuff happens
0: okay so wait they're going to europa europa's saturn isn't
1: it europa is is a jupiter's jupiter moon okay did you say that okay
0: so jupiter i know yeah no europa's a very big Popular thing and 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 Laura and all I know there's a, a I don't know if it's a Steve Vai song Europa but there's a very like a really big guitarist in America that wrote a song called maybe it was Eric Johnson but Europa is a very is one of his famous songs so I do know that I only know that moon from that song. <laughs> I <laughs> I
1: yeah, I got to an intriguing moon, uh, you know, this possibility that there's life there and we want to get there and find out. And so hey,
0: Elon Musk will do it. All right. So that that book is called Chaos Terrain. I'm going to go. Okay. I'm going to get on. I'm going to go order that as soon as we're done here. And I'm going to send it to my daughter because she's in all that cool shit. So I'm going to order that. All right. So Chaos Terrain. Where can they get Chaos Terrain?
1: You can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get it at Amazon. Goodreads. This is a real uh, book. It's a real book. We're going to we're going to also uh, you can go to com or joelgaines.com, and it's there. Um, links are there. We got some swag and stuff there as well. Oh yeah. But uh hopefully I'll be getting it into the Apple library here pretty soon. I got some other distribution uh, deals going on.
0: Okay, cool. When'd you write that?
1: Uh, I just released it in February, middle of February.
0: And we you're just now telling me like I could have been pipping this all this time. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, chaos terrain. I'm gonna go order this now. You should do the same. And Joel, where can these fine folks who've made it this far go and listen to you and follow you on anything that you have, whether it's Twitter, whatever other accounts you got. Yeah. So,
1: but, uh, so War Lizard Tactical on War Lizard on Tactical, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook for those of you that still do that, and then Joel Gaines on Twitter. All
0: right, that's Joel Gaines. I appreciate you hanging out with me for a little bit. Uh, what a, yeah, a great time. Yeah, sound of freedom. Time. Yeah, you know, we didn't even get into any push-ups or anything yet. We'll have to do a follow-up because there's, uh, I make mental notes throughout my my entire time of doing these. And, you know, when you have a high tolerance, you don't really forget much these days, which I don't. Great. <laughs> so I would love to have you back if you're down for it. Um, Absolutely. We'll talk about yeah. push-ups and hydration. Now. Yeah, we'll do push-ups. We'll do a little fitness deal next time. But anyway, that's Joel Gaines get on chaos terrain go buy that book get on war lizard tactical go learn how to do better as you are as a shooter because you can always get so that's the cool thing real quick you can never be too too good as a shooter you just can't yeah. like there's no like oh i've reached the pinnacle like there's not this is the weapon brother this is that's right weapon. it's funny you say that do you do you remember this oh, real quick? okay I, I need to end this <laughs> <laughs> man it was bullet did you ever see that movie bullet with tupac and yeah you're the only yeah. perfect weapon, that crazy you're like Vietnam vet. Weapon. He's like, you're the only smart weapon or some shit. Anyway, that's just reminding me of that. But anyway, mm-hmm. all right, that's
1: Joe Gaines. All right, and we're gone. All right, we're gone. We are gone. Let me figure out. There we go.